My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So I was thinking this week as I read this text for today, I was thinking about, um, I've been in ministry about a year or two, and the pastor I worked for, Jack McCormick, um, he was a trustee at Olivet Nazarene University. And so at the graduation that year, I went to see some friends graduate, and so Jack and I were talking after, and, and I was talking about all that happened, and they had this kind of downtime where the trustees were waiting to go on the platform because all the trustees of the university, they sit up with all the professors it's got to be miserable <laughs> to watch all those people walk across the stage going, are we done yet? No, um, but there's a lot of influential people. In case you didn't know this, the trustees of universities are typically well-to-do, successful people. I mean, they, that's why they get elected to be trustees. And so there were like CEOs of companies and renowned authors and all kinds of people who are trustees of this university. And and I noticed, I looked up, and Jack wasn't among the people there. I looked a few hundred yards away, and Jack was talking to Susie Beicher. Susie Beicher is a custodian at the university. Susie Beicher attended the Nazarene Church there in Mantino, where, where I was on staff. And Susie, solely earth, barely speaks, I mean, just quiet, kind of just unassuming person. And Jack's talking to Susie, and afterward, he, he and I are talking, and he, he, he wanted to give me a teachable moment, which I appreciated most of the time. Sometimes I didn't. Um, I still remind him of some of the unteachable moments. But, but he said, did you notice that I, I wasn't talking to all those people up there? I said, yeah, actually I did. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. He goes, yeah, um, I've been with them the last two days. Like, I've, I've spent tons of time with these guys. I'll spend more time tonight because we all have dinner we go to and then we kind of hang out afterward because, you know, you've, you've had to wear this robe all day and it's miserable. So we all lament about it and we sweat through our dress shirts and all that kind of stuff. And, and he said, you noticed I was talking to Susie, right? I said, yeah, I did. And he gave me a lesson that I'll never forget. He said, I think sometimes we need to remember we want to learn from the people that I sat with up there. But if I think they're more valuable than Susie, I'm not a very good pastor. 
And that has stuck with me for the past decade plus, that, that how we treat everyone is a reflection of knowing Jesus. Not just those who can further our career or our life or are advantageous to us. This is what James wants us to know. James wants us to think about how we treat people reflects whether we are in right relationship with him or not. This is hard. Right, at first glance, we think, well, we don't have a lot of, like, I mean, like, you mean rich people, like Bill Gates showed up, we might give some deference, right, move, like, ooh, he's, he can sit here. <laughs> but we should do that for everyone. Any person who walks in the door, we should reach out and say, can we, can we find a good seat for you? Now, see, I don't know if you know this, but the turn of the century here uh, is about when things began to change in the United States. But before that, people would go to church and they would pay for a box in the church, especially in New England. You would buy a box. If you watch the Royal Wedding, they have boxes in some of their churches. But, but you would pay for the box. And so the more money you had, the closer your box was to the front. So if you were poor, you would sit maybe in the balcony or if you're lucky in the back couple rows. In every church. More money you had, you'd give the money. You paid. You bought your box. See, I wish we did this today because it's like the opposite. People, everyone sits in the back. And so if we had to pay to sit in the back, you might move up. So, I mean, it would work okay for us. But, but in that day, that's the way it worked. The good seats went to those who paid money. Or maybe you've heard the story that circulated online. It's, it's a story that, that is not really true. I wish it was, but it's a great story. Um, story of the new pastor starting at this large church, a few thousand people. And, and it's first Sunday, they can't find the pastor, and they, they just go ahead and start the service because they don't know where he is. I'm not too worried about it. But, but in the middle of kind of the service, this kind of like dirty, filthy, disgusting guy walks in. Like you can smell him from a few rows away when he hits the door. Unkempt beard, dirty clothes, smells like alcohol is at least spilled on him, if nothing else. I mean, just kind of people hold their kids a little tighter. They're not sure they want their kids near. They don't know what to do with that. They're, they're kind of uncomfortable. And he walks towards the front, and, and people like kind of move over, like, I don't want to sit by me. Like, do you see that guy? And they move a little more, and, and eventually he comes all the way to the front because it's the only seat open. <laughs> so he goes and sits in the front, and, and no one says a word to him. And you can hear the whispers. Do you see him? Do you see that guy? Like, oh, it's our first Sunday with the new pastor. I wonder what he's going to say. Like, like, this is not good. And they get done with, like, the, everything, and it's the pastor's turn to come up. And this, this disheveled mess of a man, he gets up, and he comes forward. And he goes and he takes the microphone and everyone in the room just pauses and freezes because they don't know what to do with this. And the guy looks at him and he goes, um, just so you know, I am the pastor you called to be here. And I go, what? Huh? And he said, I just want to see what would happen when someone walked in here looking like they didn't belong. And he goes, guys, we got a lot of work to do. Because it should have been different. See, I think so often we, we don't mean to play favorites in some ways. We don't mean to put other people on pedestals, but we sometimes do it. See, in the eyes of God, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, sinner or saint. He loves you the same. God is not a respecter of persons. 
Like he loves everyone equally, but equal doesn't mean that, that you have the same gifting. Equal doesn't mean all those kinds of things, but he loves us all the same. Regardless of the size of our wallet, our hair color, or our lack of hair, it doesn't matter. See, church gathering, this is what James wants us to know, is that every kind of church gathering, wherever and whatever it is, people should be able to walk in from every walk of life and feel like they're welcomed and wanted. Period. And so one of the real questions we probably have is, well, then who then are like the spiritual leaders of the church? Well, it doesn't require great business success or lots of money or that. And it doesn't even require age, by the way. See, the leaders in the church, it doesn't matter your gender or your age or your bank account. It's about spiritual maturity, which is not the same thing as those. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's sometimes young people teach us a lot about faith. Sometimes their spiritual maturity is greater than those who've had many more years upon them. See, spiritual leadership comes through reflecting the love and life of Jesus. It's servant by nature. And so I want to say this this morning. How often have you felt better over someone else when they walked in and you go, oh, man, I'm, I, I wore my tie today. <laughs> I can't believe they don't dress up for church. Do you see what they're wearing? Oh. <laughs> and I use polite words and they don't. <laughs> but the all opposite is true as well. How many of you walked in and gone, I didn't dress up today. Jesus doesn't care. <laughs> Look at them. I don't use polite words because he doesn't care. I can, I can speak how I want. Can I tell you that both are wrong? They're both a matter of the heart. Like, I don't, I don't care what you wear. I know some of you care what I wear because you tell me sometimes. <laughs> I know you don't want me to say that kind of stuff. I get it. But this is the reality for us that our judgments towards others hinder us and them. But what if, what if our judgments were wrapped in love so they really weren't judgments? Right, there's a passage from Matthew chapter 7 that messes me up and maybe probably should you. It's that Jesus used these words. He says, by the measure you judge, you too will be judged. Huh. By the measure you judge, you too will be judged. I don't like those words because that scares me because I've said or thought things that are pretty judgmental. What about you? But James wants us to know there's another way to live. There's a way to live that looks a lot more like Jesus. And the church should be the place that it doesn't matter what your background is, but when you're a part, we recognize that in the church... The CEO may be the one who's not the leader. It may be the one who works for that person and they're the leader of the Sunday school class. In the church, it's about spiritual leadership and spiritual maturity, not about the things, the cultural values of the world. James goes on to write these words. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. So here's what James is trying to say. 
None of us can keep all the rules. Just going to let you know that, by the way. You can try. But Jesus and Paul and others talk, remind us that there's no law against love. Right? This is, this is uh, these words, love your neighbor as yourself. So, so maybe the words of Jesus would be helpful for us thinking what love looks like. It goes the extra mile when it doesn't have to. It loves, not hates enemies. Gives the shirt off the back. It turns the other cheek. Love goes the extra. So maybe you've heard of like the silver rule before. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. It's called the silver rule for a reason. Like don't do, it requires like I cannot do lots of stuff to you. That's pretty easy, right? If I don't do anything to you, that's easy. Just won't talk to you. Won't do anything you don't like and you won't, because like, I don't want you to do it to me. But that's not what Jesus tells us, right? He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Huh. I like the other one better, if I'm honest. Don't do? Like, that's easy. But do? This is the idea of the law of love. This is what James is letting us know. The law of love says there is no end to what we do. And you go, well, what do we, I thought we don't do certain stuff. You do. You're right. There's certain things you don't do because love doesn't do them. Because it's not loving to commit adultery. It's not loving to be dishonest. It's not loving to murder someone. Love is an action. Love requires us to live in particular ways. Love requires activity. Love is not stagnant. Love does not sit still. Love is not backing off. Love is moving. But not doing something, that's not that hard. I cannot do all kinds of stuff. You don't know if I love you or not. Right, this is what James wants us to know. This is who my brother is. This is what he does. This is what he did. This is what he does. This is what he invites us to. He goes on to write this. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Did you catch this line? The people who receive judgment without mercy are the ones who don't give mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. There were two events this weekend that have been on the news a lot. Two events that have shaped the narrative that's been on the television screens in most homes the last few days. Two events, almost polar opposites in their influence and what they represent. One was a shooting in Santa, at Santa Fe High School in Texas. We'll talk about that in a second. The other was the royal wedding. How many of you got up and watched that? Be honest. What is wrong with you? No, um, <laughs> sorry. My favorite was I heard people, we recorded it. We watched it later. Um, I did not. I, I was probably awake, but I didn't want to be. But, but I've been laughing because one of the things that happened is the, the Archbishop Michael Curry is from, <coughs> sorry, is from America, and he spoke at the wedding yesterday, and a bunch of my friends watched his sermon and were like, hey, this was incredible. In fact, I got an email this morning telling me I got to go check it out. I haven't yet, but I did get a couple lines from this sermon that I want to read to you this morning. Here's what the Bishop Michael Curry said. Someone once said that Jesus began the most revolutionary movement in all of human history. A movement grounded in the unconditional love of God for the world. 
And that way of unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive love changes lives and it can change this world. If you don't believe me, just stop and think and imagine a world where love is the way. When love is the way, unselfish, sacrificial, redemptive. When love is the way, then no child will go to bed hungry in this world ever again. When love is the way, we will let justice roll down like a mighty stream and righteousness like an ever-flowing brook. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way, the earth will be a sanctuary. When love is the way, we will lay down our swords and shields down by the riverside to study war no more. When love is the way, there's plenty good room, plenty good room for all of God's children. Because when love is the way, we actually treat each other well. Like we are actually family. When love is the way, we know that God is the source of us all, and we are brothers and sisters, children of God. My brothers and sisters, that's a new heaven, a new earth, a new world, a new human family. I'm sorry if I've ever done your wedding, because he was way better than I've ever been. These words are powerful. They made the front page of British newspapers today. In case you didn't catch it, that's the whole gospel message of Jesus right there. What this reminds us is people desperately long for something more. Hope, love, joy, life. And James wants us to know that Jesus offers us that. And the way that the world comes to know it is by how that we live. The message of Jesus can literally change the world. Can you imagine with me if mercy had reigned in Santa Fe High School? I don't know if you read much about that. I probably read way more about that than I did the royal wedding. It breaks my heart. I read about how coaches and a few teachers bullied a teenage kid. Not to mention classmates as well. I'm in no way excusing behavior. But can you imagine with me if mercy had triumphed over judgment there? Can you imagine with me if love had found a way? Can you imagine with me if Santa Fe High School was known for the way students loved one another, that the very presence of God was there? Can you imagine with me for just a moment if love had made a way? Can you imagine if followers of Jesus had stepped up and lived in such a way in that school, in that place, teachers and coaches and students, where mercy had triumphed over judgment? Can you imagine what that would have been? See, mercy is the action of love. Is the action of Jesus. Today is Pentecost Sunday. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. But here's what it is. It's the day in which we celebrate that God's very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to all of us who are followers of him to live in us in such a way that doesn't even make sense. It kind of blows our minds. 
but he invites us to live in such a way that mercy triumphs over judgment, that we begin to see people and we love all people regardless of their background or their or their circumstances, whether their gender or their wallet, we don't care anymore. We don't care about their age. We just love them as they are because that's who Jesus is and he invites us to be. See, many people, we, we pray a prayer. Uh, it's called the Lord's Prayer. And there's a line that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I gotta be honest with you, I get tired of hearing people say, I just wanna pray for God's will. So if you say that, I'm sorry if I offended you. I don't really care, actually. I, I hope I offended you. And here's why. Because that isn't the prayer. The prayer is this. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Father, I want your will where heaven comes to earth because you've told us this is your will, that heaven would break into the here and now, that heaven would come to earth. That is your will. Go read the prayers of the New Testament writers. Go read the prayers of the early apostles. They never prayed, God, just your will. I pray, God, bring heaven here among us, in us, and through us. Let your mercy triumph over judgment. So you want to ask what changes like things that happen in Santa Fe High School? It's us taking the words of Michael Curry in this sermon from this royal wedding. It's applying them to our lives and us saying, God, help me to bring heaven in my everyday life. Because I know that's your will. May heaven be real and tangible in every aspect of my life. Will you make all the wrongs right? Because hell is a school shooting. Heaven is a wedding. In which words of love ring true and there's hope that reigns. It's why we pray this prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring heaven here among us because this is the prayer of Jesus for us. Because in that prayer, mercy triumphs over judgment. In that prayer, heaven comes and dwells among us. In that prayer, God is restoring and renewing and making all things new because that is the very action and essence of mercy in its purest form. It is who God is. It is who he invites his church to be. Mercy over judgment. Heaven on earth. These are the words of James to us. These are the words of Jesus to his followers. See, it's not an invitation to just believe a certain kind of thing. It's an invitation to a way of life in which we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring heaven to ear, hear, Lord. Will you redeem and restore and make all things new and will you do it in me? And may I live in such a way where judgment is far from me, but I live out mercy. May I live from a place of deep love of who God is. And so this morning, this morning our hope when we see things like a shooting at Santa Fe High School isn't, isn't more legislation one way or the other. Isn't more rules. Isn't go, oh, those kids. It's bringing more heaven to earth. It's more praying. It's more mercy over judgment. It is the very words of Jesus that bring life and love. It is the words of Michael Curry, the Archbishop. This is the invitation for us to live as a people who are reflections of the love and mercy of Jesus. And then maybe, can you imagine then? Can you imagine then what the world may look like?
if we live from that space. That's our prayer today. That's our prayer today. That's our hope in this moment. Um, if Lee and the priest team would come and lead us, and it is well one more time, because in the midst of all the chaos, we believe in a God who makes it well with our soul. And will you stand with me this morning? And will you pray with me this morning? And we want to pray a prayer that, that Jesus prayed. It's an invitation for us to say it is well. And so will you pray with me this morning? Our Father. Grand earth is quaked before.